Is there any better feeling than getting paid for something you absolutely love doing that's fun? Well, if so, you need to check out Money Master's Guide, Game Mastering for Fun and Profit by RJ Productions. The Money Master's Guide shows you several ways to pivot your already creative skills as a game master into a profitable side hustle. In today's world, everyone needs just a little side money to help make ends meet. Why not find ways to use your gaming hobby to help pay those bills? With Money Master's Guide, you'll look at many different paths and actionable activities that you can do to help put you on the path to becoming a money master. Visit rebrand.ly Money Master's Guide now and start rolling in the dough. If you could get paid for your hobby, would you take the shot? Well, Raymond Hicks, creator of Money Master's Guide, shares his tips with us today. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your guest, Raymond Hicks. Hi, everybody. Buy my book. (laughs) 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 Now that's done, we can just do whatever. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) I'm Raymond Hicks uh, from RJ Productions, uh, formerly of Game Master Stash. I kind of uh, took a hiatus from there to start working on my own stuff. Uh, And one of those things was this guide to making some cash. (laughs) <laughs> yes well welcome today everyone uh thank you for joining us uh ray we are super excited to talk about this if you're joining us for the first time or you're a veteran here you know that we hope to inspire you with creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure in addition to that we got some really great shit today um and i just want to say thanks for coming on um i really thoroughly enjoyed reading through this i think you've got something really amazing here And I'm excited to uh, pick your brain about it. So I don't know about anybody else, but we all hope that someday we can turn our hobby into a full-time job, right? Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say, uh, first of all, like, I I love answering questions about this stuff. I've been making money with this hobby for, uh, you know, two decades now. So... Um, you know, I, I, if anyone out there has any, any questions that come out of this, just feel free to email mail at rj.net and, um, you know, I'm always happy to answer or, or hit us up on social media. That's all that stuff. And today, yeah. Question fest. <laughs> yes. Um, so obviously we're a D and D show, but your book goes well beyond that. All of us play games, tabletop or otherwise. We we're getting everyone's getting into the the streaming scene and everything. Um, your book contains a multitude of resources right out the gate, and de- the detail, the amount of detail you went into, and the understanding and research must be ridiculous. You have twelve chapters of a variety of methods that people can use. Obviously, today we can't cover all chapters. I have picked out a few that I think um, are critical and very important and things that most people can do to get started even if they just want to bring in a little bit of uh cash to to supplement even if it's just paying for your internet bill that's pretty huge right yeah so uh i have to ask why did you decide to write this and kind of how did how did that process go 
Uh, look, I have been trying to make money uh, with this hobby for, like I said, like 20 years. 2002, I started playing Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and I started selling my short stories from those games to my friends for like a dollar in the high school playground, you know. Uh, and that got so uh, popular, I ended up having to like <laughs> leave stuff at the library with like a little donation box. And people would just come and like <laughs> chuck their coins in and take a, take a print out of this short story. So like I've been doing that since the start. And, um, you know, times are tough. Everyone is struggling. Uh, I know I'm struggling. I have a full-time job as a teacher, a high school teacher who teaches writing and uh, you know, English and stuff like that. And uh, even we, uh, you know, having trouble with bills and petrol and all that sort of stuff. So everyone's looking to make, uh, you know, just a, a bit of ends meet at the moment. And um, I guess there's two ways you can do that. You can stop spending money, but most of us are already <laughs> doing that, right? And then the other way yeah. is to make more money. And who doesn't like making more money? <laughs> now, one thing I have a question for you, because there's a lot of things, there's something specific in here that I think has a lot of negative connotation with it. Um, and I kind of want to touch on your thoughts on that. And that's sure. paid GMing because you touch on that. And that's yeah. something that has always had a negative stigma. So how do you and your book promote that as a positive thing that people can actually do and succeed at? Okay. Well, that is a very controversial topic. And generally speaking, uh, I am not, um, like I don't do paid GMing very much, uh, at all. I have tried it in the past, but it feels a bit dirty to me. Um, where I do use, um, sort of, you know, the paid GMing type, uh, situations is often I'll, I'll do that for organizations or for, um, you know, charities or whatever. Um, a lot of the paid GMing I've done in the past are for like, um, programs for like, students or you know like during school holidays or whatever um sometimes i've seen some paid gming where it's sort of uh therapy gming which is very interesting to me uh you know as a former psychotherapist and stuff uh <laughs> but um yeah like the the uh yeah like it's just to me uh i guess that it's it's a niche market that's out there right and um you know, if you're someone who is willing to do that and are comfortable <laughs> with that, then go for it. <laughs> yeah, we're laughing at the drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you like drugs? <laughs> it threw my um, train of thought, could you tell? <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and I know, uh, I don't know if Ian's got any t uh, experience with this, but I know Brandon does. Do you guys have any comments to that? I think that if you want to be a paid GM or DM, in the case of uh, Dungeons & Dragons, I would say participate as a player in a few games first, just because you get experience of, like, what did the DM do to build up their resume? What do they do different from what, what most people, people might do during an average game? And I also think when people pay for something, their expectations are different. Oh, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. And we talk about that in the book, right? Like, that's a, a big part of this book is like, yeah, sure, you want to do these things. It's fun with your friends. But if you're going to make money on this, the expectations are so much higher, um, whether it's running at conferences uh, or conventions or whether it's, you know, just being paid. You know, when, when money exchanges hands, people expect something that's better. Now, a lot of my experience, um, like I don't just go up to people in the street and say, hey, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? You know, on the corner. Hey, you want to open up that trench coat? I got a D&D &D <laughs> table in the van. What do you buy? My, my, my times where I've been paid as a dungeon master has always been in connotation with, um, 
uh, a gaming shop or some other shop I talk about in the book, like cafes and stuff. A cafe once asked yep. me to run some games. They were like, they were board game cafe that were trying to, you know, um, you know, encourage more of a nerdy crowd. And so to get some regulars in, we did like a six week sort of deal. So it's all, I've right. always approached organizations rather than individuals. Yeah. And I know Brandon uh, does some through, uh, Start playing games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, and yeah. I've actually managed to do that once or twice, um, too. And it's definitely a, 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 an interesting uh, step. It's, it's been a little uh, while since I have, because the baby and all. It's not enough time to really be able to get into it. But when <laughs> yeah. it comes to uh, jamming <laughs> and being well. paid for it, <laughs> congratulations. It's always yeah. fun. Uh, my thought is, people are like, oh, you shouldn't have to pay a GM to play D&D. Well... 20 years ago, that might have been the case. D&D is more popular now than it's ever been since it's been created. And players outnumber DMs by so much. So if you try to charge for your skills as a DM, someone out there is going to pay for it. Now, I do it two, t- two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at the community center. I get paid to DM games. Right. Because it's hard well, to think- find a DM. Well, there's that, and there's also the fact that most people realize that, on the player side at least, paying for a DM is not something new. Like, when you go to a convention, in many cases, yeah. you're paying to be playing in that game. But the difference, though, is, in that case, the money goes to the convention, not the DM itself. So Yeah, that's a good point. And look, um, I, I, so... let's, I just want to approach this from the other side as well, right? Like, real quick, while we're talking about, like, there is a, there is a need for this. Like, uh, let me give you an example. Me... If I didn't have two kids right now and had a bit more time, I would absolutely be looking for someone to run Battletech or Cyberpunk for me because I can never get a game where someone will GM those for me. So if I could pay someone uh, to organize a group and get a schedule going and me go and have a regular like MechWarrior Destiny game or something, I would pay. I would pay like, you know, for that, depending upon how much it was, of course. But yeah. And and there's there's a there's a lot that goes into that now. There's more you talk about in the book besides just that. Um, the last thing I just want to iterate on the paid GMing um, is that is let the economy decide. If you suck, nobody's gonna come back. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just like a movie, right? You you shell out fifteen bucks. Your might movie might suck. It might be good, hit or miss. You learn you you talk about it, right? And that's kind of my thought on it. It's a service. If, if there's a need, it's going to sell. If not, eh. Um, but you go into more than just that. There's plenty of other options in here that I think are, are really interesting and I'd like to uh, uh, touch on. Specifically, you talk about it's more than just making a, a, a piece of content and hoping the world buys it. You talk about a critical aspect that I think that gets overlooked and that's building a community. Can you uh, – uh, you, I think you talk specifically about having 100 dedicated uh, customers uh, to whatever it is you're selling. Um, and I think that that's important, whether it is, uh, a, a paid GM slot or if you're running a podcast or a YouTube channel, can you tell us a little bit more about that and why it's important? Yeah, I, this is actually kind of a very big motivator for me. Um, and like why I do the things I do them. So, uh, all the artists that I like, uh, you know, uh, musicians or, or writers or whatever, a lot of them are coming from that idea of having a small but dedicated community. So some examples of that are like um, Amanda Palmer, the Dresden Dolls, or um, the the Scissor, uh, what is it, not 
Uh, the Twisted Sister, sorry, the name just escaped my brain there for a second. Uh, Neil Gaiman, like there's a lot of people who they, they talk about this idea of like, um, you know, if you have, uh, like what is big for a big publisher it, or, or, you know, is, is, you know, it's tiny for a big publisher, sorry, is, is really big for us. So um, an example of this is like Amanda Palmer, right, from Dresden Dolls. So Dresden Dolls were in a... Um, they were in a, in a record deal that was really not going well. They weren't being supported by their record company. The record company was saying, well, you know, 25,000, 50,000 people, that's not enough to really, um, you know, sell our records. We're not happy to invest in that. So they wanted to split. This was when I was first getting into, into D&D, actually, you know, in the, in the mid-2000s. Um, and, and she ended back up... Back in my younger days. Yeah, back in my day, yeah. Uh, she left She left that record company. There was this whole big thing. Um, and then she started out, uh, she was one of the first people to get involved with Kickstarter and kickstarting an album. Um, and she wrote a book called The Art of Asking. And I can highly recommend that book. I think that's one of uh, the most amazing books. But in that, you know, she talks about, well, you know, 20,000 people is a lot of people. And if each one of those people is willing to give you like $2 for a product or whatever, that's enough for you to pay your bills in most cases. Um, and so sort of as a, as a result of that, that really inspired me to think, well, you know, it, the same is true for us. Like um, those community connections is what really role-playing as a whole is all about. And um, I know that a lot of my, um, a lot of my, most loyal customers are people who I've met through gaming who have then stuck around with me for, for years, some of them. Um, and, and just, they, they encourage me to continue and they inspire me to, to make product, whether it's, you know, fiction that we're currently working on or whether it's running the games or whether it's making the, making the adventures and stuff like that to sell. Um, you know, and, and I think that having that small community, and I think it, to look at them as a hundred purchases, I think is a bit cynical, but um, if you're making good content and you're inspiring positive community, then that will result in sales, right? Like at Games Master Stash, we had 17,000 people. When I first got there, there was only 1,000. We built it up to 17,000. And uh, when I, yeah, I mean, that was over the course of years. Uh, right. But uh, that was, you know, that, that not all of them were active. They just kind of some of them would hit likes most of them wouldn't get the picture uh or the you know the the thing and the, so that's not a helpful community to have that many uh meanwhile i've right. gone out and started my own little thing and i've already sold what 60 copies of this book in the couple of weeks it's been out because they actually care congratulations yeah thank you and i do think your book touches on a lot, a lot of things but the biggest thing obviously is not not just growing your audience but getting that content out there and getting people to see it. Like we saw this firsthand when we went to Grand Con, which was a convention in Michigan. And me and Justin, we both ran games from modules from our published adventure. And our first sales, the first couple of days at the con were players from our games that walked up to us after the fact and purchased them, which yeah. at least tells us that we are having quality content. People are enjoying that content. And those who are exposed to it are happy to buy it, but you have to get in front of them first. Which brings us to the next uh, little tidbit here. Yeah. And that is, how do you advertise properly? What's the best way to advertise to people about uh, what your games are, what you're doing, without having to waste money to do it? Yeah, look, the best way to advertise is word of mouth, right? And if you are listening to this uh, and you want to support creators that are making content that you're creating... 
tell other people about it, write reviews about it. Um, you know, in the fiction world, uh, this is something that a lot of people are really starting to try and emphasize that the only way that sales happen is if people hear about it. And the only way that people hear about it is if people who like it talk about it. Um, and that if, once you've sold the book is free, right? Or once you've, you know, got your ideas out there, whether it's something you've given away for free, whether it's a session you've run for them, um, you know, word of mouth is the, is the biggest seller as a, as a game master back when I used to work in the gaming shop, um, you know, we would have people coming from, uh, you know, all different parts of, of Sydney. So, you know, traveling, you know, 80 kilometers, I don't know what that is in miles. Sorry, guys, uh, <laughs> you know, coming from uh, quite a distance to come to, to play the games that we were running because they knew that that was going to be uh, an experience where they were supported and, and it was going to be a positive community, you know? Um, so that's the first way. The second way of advertising is obviously uh, we lose a lot of money on advertising. Uh, I think approaching it with a sense of humor is the best way because then people share it and it's cheaper, you know? And, Today, yeah. social media, you know, you can access heaps of people. Uh, every time I've done paid advertising, it hasn't really done well. Like I just did it. In fact, for, for this one, I just did a, a $15 sale. So not much, you know, ad advertising promotion. <laughs> and out of that, I got two people who liked my profile out of the 1,000 people that saw it, right? So like the... Yeah. So <laughs> we, we can... <laughs> What the hell? Ian. It's like, what a waste. Yeah, thank you. Freedom eight, units. Eight kilometers is four nine of freedom yeah. units. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the thing about that is definitely God. something that we've seen as well. Um, we struggle with the conversion aspect when it comes to our own promotions. Um, and it's hard. It really requires a specific skill set and I think luck in some capacity. But from what I understand, you have to spend so much money to finally nail it down that for small people like us, you know, it's not it's not feasible in most cases. So it really comes down to who you know and who's willing to share your content um, or having a platform like a show hopefully kind of helps that, too, because I know we get, you know, 10,000 plus listens every month but those don't necessarily convert to sales you know that's it. um and that's but that's that's the name of the game right and i mean um, the context sometimes has... it just comes down to dumb luck yeah it's 100 yeah, yeah. luck, but also it's context too like at the moment we're in a financial crisis or recession all around the world uh mm -hmm. and also like just i think that um you know people uh like the, the market is flooded with with the kinds of stuff that we're we're making um, because D and D is very popular. So yeah, you you just have to get Absolutely. seen, however you get seen, and then hopefully money comes after that. <laughs> so um, we we've talked briefly about uh, the things such as DM paid DMing. We've talked about writing content and publishing it. Um, there's a few other ways you you touch on in here, and one that really sticks out to me is streaming and podcasting games. Uh, you touch on something that I never really considered until I read it in your book, and that's your friends aren't performers. <laughs> no. And I think that that is such a profound thing to think about. And as I think about it, because uh, we've streamed a bunch of our games. Uh, I mean, we did uh, Descent into Avernus. We did our uh, Plane Shifters campaign in Capes and Crooks, and now all the players – are created equal in the engagement, <laughs> especially, I think you, you mentioned somebody, you know, like crunching on chips or something oh, or man. reaching into, I don't remember what it is, but <laughs> y 
How it's long not a and it hits the table. Yeah, funk, you know. Things like that are not things that I really you really think about until you put it in words. And I was like, maybe that's the problem that a lot of streamers have. I'd love to uh, hear your kind of thoughts on and, and kind of, you know, uh, expand upon that. Because that is a more, uh, an easier niche, I would say, to get into. Um, because all you need is a microphone and a and a yeah. and a camera and you can just stream so can you tell us a little bit more about that and you're working on that yeah for sure you can even just do it on your phone right that's the other thing that i uh, i talk about is you know you already have a phone it's one of the best cameras and one of the best uh, sound recording devices that you're going to get on the market uh because that's what it's designed to do for you know video calling and stuff like that so use that you've already got it um uh, but look let me let me give you two two comments on that so the first one is I am one of those people who really can't stand like chewing noises or uh, burping is the other thing that I'm like super sensitive to, right? Uh, whenever I hear someone burp, it makes me want to throw up a little bit in my mouth, right? And I really struggle uh, with that sort of thing. And like, the, for instance, The Simpsons is a show that I, I love watching The Simpsons, but then when they get to a dinner scene, that um, 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 even though it's a fake sound, it really, oh man, it really gets into, uh, you know, my, gets into my brain there i can't stand it and so i've listened to a lot of D D podcasts or you know other role-playing podcasts where that sound just like um you know oh man like it, it's it, and just hearing rustling or people playing with dice um you know and and it's not that and some of these people are very professional right it's not that they're doing it to be you know it's often just like unintentional things that you do at the table that you don't think about and i think yeah, that's what a lot of my reasons yeah yeah this is something that a lot of my book is about is like you know well let's think about some of the problems that you haven't thought about um which have become problems for me when i've tried to do something and here's the second thing right so i'll set the scene i i spent all this time working out how to do like audio editing and everything like that and um i did a little test one with myself and my wife where we recorded like just a little scene and then i went in and i put all the sound effects in like there was you know, she was fighting goblins on a thing and there were like goblin noises and you know hack and slash noises and the boat the ambience everything and it was amazing it was beautiful and I was happy to put that time in because it was making this really quality product. So we get all our friends together, our local, you know, our, our, our small gaming group. I think we had about five people and I told them make these interesting characters. And one of the most amazing characters in it was this little orc thief, right? Half orc thief. She was like a kid um, and her, her deal was she was like super sneaky and super quiet. And her name was Whisper because she always whispered. And like on paper, I'm like, that's amazing. That's great. And then you record it and then I realize I can't hear... Uh, anything that oh, the guy no. saying. So it was a complete bust from the very first session. Uh, we recorded like six hours and I was going to break that up into like episodes and stuff. But like you could not hear what was being said. Uh, it was an amazing character. It was an amazing game. We all had a lot of fun, uh, but it was not quality content. And, um, you know, and even like sitting around the gaming table, like I game every Thursday through Discord. Like, you know, some of us have off days. Uh, I've have off days. Like, you know, you can hear it in their voice and, and people just the people who are your friends when they're not into it. That's it. And thanks to Critical Role, everyone wants professional stuff. <laughs> I kind of want to go off that because I think considerations you need to make to when you do a live stream of a game aren't necessarily the same considerations you need, you need to make when you play a game in person or with your friends. Like, for example, like when you're playing in person, you are there to play a game. You're there, especially as a player, you're there to win, if you will, and granted, winning most cases just having fun. But when you are trying to podcast, you're streaming more to entertain. And Critical Role is a good example of that because they're all actors, they're all voice actors first. So as a result, 
they might do a lot of communicating ahead of time too, saying, okay, what well, would be the fun thing to do? There might be a little bit more interaction between Matt Mercer and his players behind the scenes to set stuff up ahead of time. And that's stuff you, you don't normally do in a regular D&D game, and that's fine. It's just they are trying to mold their product for their format. <laughs> and I think there's also an aspect, too, of do you want to stream your games live, or do you want to pre-record everything, edit everything down, get all the sound quality up, and cut out all the, the extra fluff you don't need, like talking on the side and so forth? <laughs> That's one of the things that I love about God's Fall. It, get, it got a lot of flack early on because there was a lot. They everyone felt it was on rails. But what it is is uh, Aram had cut out all the extra stuff that wasn't good to listen to. Um, and I I personally like that because that makes it more interesting. Because one one problem I had with Critical Role, don't get me wrong, I think it's a great series, um, but I don't have the time to sit and spend listening for an entire game. Yeah, they're um, long. <laughs> but I Yeah, they're long. And waiting for people to make decisions and rolling the dice and all that stuff. And while I'm playing a game, that's fun, but listening to it is not as fun in my opinion. Um so we're we're here to talk about making money. So yes, what yeah. are some core ways that a streamer and podcaster can make money? I have a few ideas because we've done it, but I'd like to hear your expert advice. Sure. Look, okay, so uh first of all, let's just touch on the idea of streaming, right? Like people start stream everyone is out there on their Twitch or whatever. I've done it. My wife and I would used to do it on Fridays uh back in the day. Uh, where we like play Zelda and things. Everyone's like, it's like you know, free money. People are just happy to give you the cash, right? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we think that. And when you look at, uh, as I was writing this book, there were a lot of articles coming out there. There was like a big Twitch leak where it leaked all their, you know, pays <laughs> and things Donations like that. Donations and pay and uh, yeah. I, I gave the, the, uh, one of the articles links in for the show notes uh if, if you need to see that but like some of these people getting paid millions of dollars um but when you look at the like the people who were talking about that they, they kind of averaged out to say that like a mid-tier stream is getting a you know about twenty thousand dollars um you know from their you know, a year from their streaming um but that's like that's an average that's really most people aren't going to get that there are so many people out there who are streaming who just can't get partnered even um uh, i, I wish how... it would have showed like median like yeah <laughs> like... <laughs> give us a... average can be so like wrong because yeah. of the uh, flyers right like i think you effectively said it in your book that for every one streamer that makes money any money there's ten thousand that aren't <laughs> yeah that's right. it exactly and like there's there's maths on audience conversions and stuff and it's like 0.001% of your audience will actually send you money right is kind of the idea the mentality you have yep. to have so i think uh the the most successful low end streams like people who are our you know bread and butter grassroots level which is where i like to focus my information in this book right because that's where we all are right right um you know we're, we're not critical we're all getting nine million which is what their leak was uh you know <laughs> like uh they yeah the um like our, our way is selling merch Get engaging an audience, getting them uh, hooked on our content, um, stuff that, that is useful to them, right? Maybe like a book about uh, how to make money with game mastering might be useful to them, right? Stuff like that. <laughs> so things they can take and use. I can recommend a good one. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear about one. I need some more money. Uh, the... <laughs> we'll talk about it. 
<laughs> the uh, like I have some uh, people who uh, you know in you know we all travel in the same sort of circles who they're talking about like selling their campaign settings and stuff like that and it's like well that only works if you have an audience that cares about your campaign settings but you know what does sell is a shirt with a funny slogan on it like you know rogues do it from behind or, or whatever and a, a pretty little <laughs> thing and uh, that's something that can sell to a wider audience so thinking what the audience needs and wants to buy I think is a a good way to do that and not just hoping for free money because you're on twitch uh whilst it'd be nice i don't and that's know, something <laughs> and that's something i've kind of learned i've gone i've made shirts i've made you know hats and stuff and i've always made stuff that i thought was targeted towards my audience but not stuff that i thought more people would buy um like i had i made a shirt that said dungeon masters do it on the table Nice. Which is a great <laughs> slogan, except the shirt I designed to go with it was trash. Yeah. So um, not only do you have to have a nice slogan, but you got to make it so it looks good. And sometimes I'm learning words are just are better, just big blocking words. Um, but, you know, those are things that appeal to people and finding those things. Memes are a good place to start. Um, memes are a good place to start because no matter what amount of content we post on our social media – uh, memes always just blow them out of the water and it's such a waste. It's just like, really? You're going to give this thing 3,000 views yeah. and likes and shares, but <laughs> we're trying to make a living and you're going to show it to 100 people? I'm just yeah. like, it's, Anyways, this is, so. Can I just speak to that? Because I think this is really important, right? So uh, audience engagement is key to audience conversion, right? Um, yes. And if you're just focusing on social media, uh, you know, the algorithm decides who, uh, you know, who gets to see what. Um, and so it's not very reliable in terms of like making income. So things like newsletters, things like email contact lists, you're the one that actually taught me that, uh, is the, is the thing that, uh, you know, you need to have. And that's why we have Dice Ranger magazine. Uh, every couple of months we produce this <laughs> November one's coming out soon. You can find all the information on that on rj.net. Uh, and yeah, like we, we pay all our you know people and, uh, the idea is you sign up and you'll get it sent straight to your inbox as soon as they come out. Cause I'm a bit erratic with that because I have a newborn and a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall the, the, the content of money masters book really did just blow me away. It gave me a lot of insight into stuff that I should have already known, but some of it kind of squeaks by unnoticed like a stupid rogue. Um, <laughs> The one thing that I want to touch on is you mentioned passive income and building a catalog is the best way to do it. Um, catalog. It's a catalog of content, multiple content. Yeah. See, he's got, he's got a lot. Um, and the reason that that works is because not every book is going to sell every day, but if you have a hundred books, ah, extraordinary expeditions, my man. Woo! Um, <laughs> when you've got a, a, a hundred books selling one of the hundred a day is much easier. Um, but the, it's the, I don't, I, I don't like the term passive income. Um, because uh, free income. Well, she's, she, my wife just called me a liar, but the reason I don't like it in this context is if you set something and forget it. You're going to have a harder time pushing it. Yes, sales will come through, but you have to constantly be working to push 
people to that resource, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're running start playing and you're GMing, whether you're, you know, going conventions might be the exception, right? Because people just sign up to whatever's available. Um, so you could probably get away with that. You do touch on that in the, in the, in the book a little bit, writing adventures. If you write one adventure and nobody knows about it, you might get a passive income of a dollar a month. But if you're sharing it on social media once a week, you're more likely to get one a week. Um, so while passive is accurate, I don't think it does justice to the amount of work that goes into pushing a product after. Um, a good example is I experimented with dropping a uh, a product every day this week, and I've seen uh, a, a spike in incre- an increase in sales. But it's not even the sales for the one product. It's the sales for everything else around it. That yeah. one product is driving them to the site to see that content and then they look at other things. Oh, this is more what I want. And they pick that up. So that constant pushing takes it from passive to active right now. Could we just set it and forget it and let it come in? Yeah, you could, but it's never going to be as uh, efficient. Um, And I mean, I guess if you get a thousand books, then you're probably squared away, but um, (laughs) I definitely think it's a, a term that's overused. Um, when I think it should be more like active income. Do you want to elaborate on that after I just rambled? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, everything you're saying is exactly the sort of things that I was going to say. Look, the the thing is, uh, as this book says, you know, you need multiple, multiple copies. And the more things that you make, the bigger the snowball gets over time, right? And as you said, when you, like, so for instance, I'm pushing this book, and then when you're going to see this book, that's going to take you to my drive-thru RPG where you can see all of these books, right? Um, And then you might be like, hey, I'm new to DMing and I want some map packs, you know, uh, the free free map assets or whatever. And uh, that's the sort of thing uh, that, you know, slowly drives sales. Uh, you are right, though. Like, things you do have to push um, to kind of, you know, remind people that they exist. Also, to just target a new audience. Um, so, a great example of that is, this is my Call of Cthulhu adventure called Foreign Body. Uh, it's on Miskatonic Repository, just like the DMs Guild. Like, we can't really, like, it's in its own little bubble. It's not part of my uh, production page, right? Um, and so you have to push that. I, it, no one's going to see that unless I advertise it somewhere. So um, right, every right. now and then we'll, we'll, you know, throw those things out. Um, but I think this is the, the strategy that I'm using, at least, is to... You, start small and build your catalog over time um, and use the assets that you have obtained from the previous one to, to build things up. You know what I mean? And, and eventually that's going to um, get, get more attention. And as you get more attention, then people go back through your back catalog and, and find that. Yep. Um, that's really good point. We got a couple really great uh, comments that were tossed into the chat here. And I think Darcy is right on the right page. Thanks Darcy. for giving a shout out to this. <laughs> that's how one do you of my players. In- <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. How do you, how do you keep inspired and driven, especially when often life in the world in general, the algorithms can get you down. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Keep it going. It's so difficult. Especially on TikTok. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing is don't burn yourself out. Just because, I mean, you bring yourself out, you don't care anymore. We don't care anymore, your work suffers. When your work suffers, you put out worse work, and people don't like not good work. Just how the algorithms work and how they keep pushing it and how it's like, oh, I made this wonderful video, and maybe 10 people see it, and then you, see, you make some bullshit video, and like 15,000 people see it. You're like, oh, come I on. I hate it. I hate it. Like, <laughs> uh, what about I'm, you, uh, Ray? 
<laughs> it's frustrating. It is. Uh, look, uh, number one thing is having that solid, positive, supportive community. So as Darcy knows, I have my dark days where I'm very dark and I send dark memes to our little meme Discord chat. Where our part, but our party gets us <laughs> through it, right? Uh, the dedication and acknowledgements in uh, the Money Masters Guide talk about uh, my friend Shotgun and Luke, who, um, you know, both of them, I, I would not have been able to finish that if it weren't for them. I, I was going insane. I had, you know, uh, uh, at that time when I started at a two-year-old and I had a newborn on the way and I, I was just having no time for myself was very very stressful. So having good friends around you and, and having people who you can engage with that, uh, you know, are going to support you. Right. I think it's very in vogue and very easy to be, uh, very negative and you'll get more views that way on your TikToks If you just, you know, tear things to shreds and, and be a terrible human being, uh, and, you know, mock others. Um, and it's definitely a lot more slow going, building an authentic and positive community. And that's something we talk about in the book too. Um, but if you do build that community, if you do get that core group of people who are going to lift you up and we all rise together, um, then that's, that's the dream, right? And, and that's, that's a healthy relationship that you want with your audience. Uh, and you know what, if you're promoting that, uh, you're going to get more audience in the long run because people will see that you're doing um you know positive stuff uh, absolutely yeah. so that's the main thing that and seeing sales spike uh <laughs> yeah. yeah for me it's uh it's on the calendar so it needs to effing get done is kind of how it's been um and it's horrible and it's getting to the point where we really have to reevaluate the amount of effort we're putting in um i mean you're talking like 70 hour work weeks for not enough of a return so um, there is burnout and it is real and it can happen and you have to reevaluate and decide if you're going the right direction, I think. Yeah, the other thing um, I'd say is don't compare yourself to others, right? Like it's very oh, absolutely the thing that gets me down the most is I watch okay, so I like I said, I have a two three he's now three, who loves trains, and there's uh channels on YouTube where people put together the little wooden train tracks and then send the train around. And they've got millions of views. Uh, one of them, even their family that have bought like this massive three-story house out of their YouTube money. And I sit there and I think, why not me? <laughs> so you can't compare, you know, you can't compare to, you know, I'm like, I put so much effort in and it never gets to that. And so like that can be very uh... depressing, but you just bring yourself back. You can only compare yourself to you and uh, the work you put in. And the other thing, like, you guys have all talked about burnout there. And um, I think like that's why I've got back into WoW, right? Uh, World of Warcraft classic. Because <laughs> you have to, you know, you still have to do things. Gotta have break. Yeah. That's it. You have you to do fun stuff. That's kind of a Debbie Downer. So I would like to go out on a, a higher note. So Darcy has another really great question that we're going to touch on. We're going to give a, a one minute answer each of us. Uh, she says, in your opinion, what is an underused mechanic monster or trope that is close to your heart? As our guest, RJ, we're going to have you go first. Tell us. Underused. Look, I love, first of all, Darcy's uh, currently GMing D&D for me. Uh, so I look forward to seeing these in future campaigns, Darcy. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the slard, right? I really love slard. And I know you can't put them in SRD stuff. Otherwise, all my products would have slard in yep. them. Um, and I, it really kills me that Mind Flayers kind of stole the slard, like tadpole business. Uh, but I love slard and they're different color Pokemon things. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I agree I mean, 100%. Slards are basically Deedee's version of Xenomorph, so I'm all for it. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Ian? I already had like, a long conversation about it in chat, but 
pulling from fourth edition, which transitions over very easily to fifth, I love minions. Yeah! I mean, they're basically just like uh, enemies, like, okay, you now have one (laughs) HP. Players, when you hit them, they die. It makes them feel epic. The big exception, though, is if you, they make saves for something like Fireball, for example, where you take half damage, they just ignore the half damage, they're still alive. And the other big plus for that, too, is, well... The damn doesn't have to track HP. Less stuff for them to track. <laughs> and it's, it's either a alive or it's dead. <laughs> track everything. Easy. So less stuff to do is always good. Yeah, absolutely. I Look, a lot of that. people Brandon. give 4E a lot of garbage, but I, I really liked how 4E's combat mechanics work. That's your 100%. And, yeah, I do think 4E take, gets a lot more crap than it deserves. And many of the arguments I feel don't hold water at all. But the, right. we get to that to a whole episode yeah. topic. Really we need to do an episode about 4E and why everyone that says it sucks is wrong. That'd be so much fun. Like, Brandon, I will admit up front, though, that <laughs> it did have a rough launch, Sorry. but it got better. <laughs> Brandon? <laughs> Look how his face what is... What is a trope or uh, mechanic okay, so that you feel like doesn't get gonna, enough love? Mechanics and monsters. Uh, first mechanic is readying actions. It has yes. such a huge advantage with your players, especially when you allow them to like do one or two sentences per turn where they can start talking to each other back and forth. Like, oh, I'm going to ready this action, so when you do this, that'll go off. Right? Like, oh, yes, that makes sense. I'll make sure to do that next turn. And they keep doing that. Uh I think that prevents parties from being surprised uh, when they're sneaking up on something. It's like, okay, I want to make sure that when I'm ready in action with my bow, and if an enemy pops out that is definitely aggressive towards us, I like to attack. And other such things. Uh, ready in action. I agree. Do it. The thing that I think uh, needs to get more use, and I've talked about it on the show, and I've implemented it in my monsters, reactions and legendary actions should not should be used more legendary actions don't need to be just high level monsters give them to your low level monsters because if your monster can attack three times giving them a legendary action and letting them attack once on theirs and then after the players makes it more engaging and makes it more dynamic giving them ability to retreat when they're attacking with a legendary action or a reaction and then go strike somebody else is just makes for a more dynamic encounter and i and all my monsters do it and are one of those two things and i think yours should too look at legendary Legendary actions, look what a creature can do and leverage it. Even if it's just an owlbear, giving an owlbear a legendary action that basically lets them intimidate uh, a creature as a uh, as a uh, legendary action totally makes the game more dynamic and Wizards of the Coast needs to do more of that. I'm actually amazed how many DMs that somebody run into forget those exist. (laughs) Yes. It's in the name, guys. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's legendary. All right, so... Uh, that will, uh, do it for our show today. Thanks, Before Fabio. we close out here, uh, RJ, do you want to give yourself one last plug for Money Master's Guide? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can get it. You guys have a link that you're sending through so we can track who's coming from this show rather than from other sources. I'd also like to shout yes. out, uh, Dice Ranger Magazine, right? If you go to my website, rj.net, um, we have all, you know, every couple of months, I think it's like every season we produce a magazine. Every magazine has a full dungeon in it, a uh, full adventure. It has a whole bunch of articles. It has a whole bunch of resources, um, you know, magic items. Uh, this, this time we've got some subclasses for fifth edition. Uh, and we're not just D&D specific. We do kind of all role-playing games. So they're, they're the two things that I really love to get people to get on. And if you go and subscribe to that, then you're on my mailing list and you can see all the cool stuff that I'm bringing out, just like I uh, recommended, Money Master's Guide. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. If you're listening to this, you can visit rebrand.ly slash Guide and pick up your copy today, and maybe you might be the next Critical Role. Dun, dun, dun. Probably not. Be happy if you don't. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. No, thank you so much for joining us. Um, <laughs> I think that'll do it for our show today. If you do enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, please consider uh, visiting our website and picking up some of our amazing uh, content. We got many, many, many bestsellers. Fantastic Terrain is platinum level. Pick that up. Your combat will be better, I promise. Because... Why wouldn't it be when you knock somebody in the head and they fall to the ground and the grasp wraps around them and pulls them and keeps them down, you know? Anyways. Get Extraordinary Expedition 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can, you pick that one up, too. We built uh, it together. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's really good. It's really good stuff. I really had really a blast running through uh, the... Um, oh, shit. What's the name of it? The the one with the stupid hunters. Oh. Uh, the one with the hunter. It's the called the hunter. hunter dude. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that one. It was awesome. It's, it's like the last one in the book, and that's awesome. Anyways, uh, check out our products, support us, become a patron, all that jazz. RJ, thank you for coming on. Thank you. That'll do it for our show today. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. I've been your guest, Ajade. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. heroes. Yeah, what they yeah say. spells prepared and blade sharp. Uh, monsters. Uh, hey, no, just one. We're running out of time. You got your minute. Uh, dragons. <laughs> dragons. Sorry, Brandon. No, shut up. You no. You're. I said you can't talk. <laughs> I put it. That's just a dick move. He's <laughs> <laughs> giving me the finger. All right. Free so, Brandon. Uh, Hashtag the, free Brandon. <laughs>